hey, hey, it is May, and that means that I am celebrating mom's big time over here at Mama Simpatico. Because Mother's Day is this month, I want to offer free mom life check-ins to both village members and non-village members. So if you could use a little live virtual support, connection, laughter, a place to shed a tear, or just to spend an hour with moms who get it, come hang out with me and fellow mamas. Head on over to mamasimpatico.com backslash momlifechecken, all one word, no hyphens, to sign up. I hope to see you there. Welcome to Mom School, where I help busy and stressed moms like you create a more joyful, balanced, and fulfilling mom life journey. My name is Lacey Newton, and as a mom of two and creator of Mama Simpatico, I understand the challenges of motherhood all too well. And through my own journey of discovery, I've learned the power of mindfulness in helping me move from surviving to thriving. I want to help you intentionally create a mom life that feels good and is aligned with who you are and who you are becoming. So join me on this journey to raise the tide of happiness and mom life for all of us mamas. Now, let's dive into today's episode. I'm an introvert and get a lot of value from some alone time every day. So the years when I was at home caring for a toddler and a baby while my husband went to the office for work were tricky for me. I wanted to be home with the kids, and yet often I felt frustrated and overwhelmed without a little space during the day. I needed that alone time to recharge, and my kids didn't nap at the same time. Eventually, I came up with something I called mellow time, and it was a lifesaver. When my youngest went down for a nap, I told my oldest it was mellow time. I had a visual timer from my classroom teaching days so that she could see if it was still mellow time and about how much more time there was. During mellow time, I did my own thing. I didn't talk a whole lot and I taught her this because I needed it. It helped me meet my needs for space, rest, autonomy, and sometimes creativity depending on what I would do with my time. Now, you might not be a struggling, introverted, stay-at-home mom who needs mellow time, but today we will look at how your uncomfortable emotions can cue you into your unmet needs and what you can do about it so that you feel more like yourself. This is the third episode in a series of four dedicated to exploring how mindfulness can serve as a remedy for intense emotional challenges in mom life. This episode is called The Scientist in the Flight, The Pilot, and will help you take skillful and helpful actions during a tricky, emotionally charged situation so that you can get your needs met. Just a reminder, as discussed in the first episode, we are approaching this from the perspective that the emotion is not the problem. It poses us no threat in and of itself. It is simply energy in motion, emotion, that will not harm us. Rather, it is a communication and a helpful guide for us to know the next right steps in living in a way that feels true to ourselves. So the story of the scientists in the flight is an anchor for us in this series of episodes, and each week we are examining a part of the story in closer detail and pulling out gems that will help us put mindfulness into practice as a remedy in tough situations. In the first episode called The Scientist, 
We examined the beginning of the story and noted that the first step in navigating these tricky, high, emotionally charged situations is to observe your situation objectively, like a scientist, by taking a snapshot of your inner and outer world. In the second episode, called The Friend, we learned exactly how to treat intense and uncomfortable emotions like a friend by offering understanding through the steps of deep self-compassion, which is often most effective as a journaling practice. Again, this episode is about the pilot and the third part of the story. I'll share the story again. Today, we are focusing on the third part, and that's the part after the friends say goodbye and before the scientist leaves the plane. Okay, here's the scientist and the flight. And for those of you who are hearing this for the third time, I'm hopeful that the repetition helps solidify this story as an anchor or reference that you can recall during tricky moments. We're building neural pathways that will help you access this this method of approaching the tricky situations when you're in them. Okay, a scientist suddenly wakes up confused and startled, realizing she is in an airport terminal waiting to board a plane. Calm washes over her as she remembers she is on her journey. Her eyes scan the waiting area, noticing two young lovebirds cuddled and gazing into each other's eyes. She feels warmth in her heart, remembering her own experiences of young love. Next to them is an elderly man with a well-worn white t-shirt that says world's best grandpa. Across the walkway, she sees a woman in black sitting perfectly still staring off in the distance without looking at anything in particular. One tear slowly rolls down her left cheek. The scientist is struck by how the woman doesn't wipe it away. A furious voice draws her attention. A red-faced woman with darting arms is arguing with whoever is on the other end of her phone. She only quiets to listen to the announcement that it's time to board the plane and rushes to the boarding line. The scientist quickly takes a photo of the scene on her phone before gathering up her belongings. Among the last to board the plane, the scientist makes her way to her assigned seat. As she walks past the full plane of passengers, she sees an empty middle seat up ahead on the left. In the seat by the window is the sad woman. The aisle seat is taken by the angry one. As she manages her way to her seat, she considers the hours ahead of her, seated in the middle of these two women. She decides the best she can do is offer her smile, her ear, her understanding. And maybe it's the close physical proximity and eminent end to their time together, but the women open up to her. Sitting with them as the hours pass, she develops a deep understanding for their struggles. They share, cry, laugh, and offer each other kindness like old friends. The plane touches down on the runway and taxis to a stop. The pilot makes their final announcement. All right, folks, with your patience and a series of skillful maneuvers up here in the cockpit, we've safely landed where you intended to arrive. The women look at each other and wish each other well. As she nears the plane's door, the scientist hears the flight attendant saying goodbye to each and every passenger. I hope you choose to fly with us again next time you need to change it up. May you live your biggest life. She feels his sincerity as he says it to her as she too approaches the door and she thanks him. The scientist takes her first few steps off the plane and notices the thought. I wonder what is going to happen next. In the story, the pilot announces that with the passenger's patience and a series of skillful maneuvers in the cockpit that the plane has landed. 
So far in this series of episodes, we've anchored into this story as a guide for learning how to remedy the trickiest of emotions in mom life. The first thing we do is observe like a scientist and take a snapshot of our inner and outer worlds. Then you sit with your emotion in deep self-compassion as an old friend would. And today you are the patient passenger and the skillful pilot. As the patient passenger, you are not helpless to where you are going. You bought the ticket. You know where you are going. And you also know that it takes time and patience to get there. Where might you be going? Well, you're a mom, so you might be going on a plane to more ease and less frustration. Your trip might be more boundaries and less resentment. Or maybe you've taken flight from depression and planning to land in joy. And what is patience anyway? So in short, patience is time and skillfulness. Time plus skillfulness. Patience is a skill. It's something that you can learn and do. Often we are told to have patience or be patient. As a former special educator, I was told at least once a week that I had more patience than others when coworkers saw or learned about a challenging situation I was supporting or a stranger asked me what I did for a living. I feel like this is an unhelpful semantic for patience. I did not feel like I am patient, like it's who I am. I felt and feel impatient like the rest of the human race. What is different for me is that I see patience as a skill. It's a practice. It's my skillful approach to many types of situations with previous students, my own children, heck, many adults, and even myself. Patience is a practice. It is what you do with your energy and your actions, even when you feel frustrated or impatient. It's a skill that can be learned and developed just like frying an egg, just like learning to roller skate, and just like changing a diaper. When you first learned to change a diaper, you didn't know what you were doing, but you knew it needed to be done. You did it. And by changing more and more diapers, I'm guessing you eventually felt pretty skilled at it. Practice patience for yourself. Purposefully intend to be patient with yourself, especially during tricky emotional situations. You won't know how to do it, until you decide to try it again and again. Okay, so patience is a skill and you'll probably need to use it as you use other skills to metaphorically pilot the plane where you want it to go. So what are these other skills? There are two types of skills here. The first is to see through the clouds to know where you want to go. And the second is to actually maneuver the plane accurately. If a pilot trusted their eyesight to steer the plane, they would often be blinded by the clouds. In our metaphor, the clouds are evolutionary and learned patterns that can blur the most skillful path forward. These blurring elements are things like our negativity bias, learned beliefs, and currently unhelpful coping tools. So let's break those down a little bit. Negativity bias is our evolutionarily inherited pattern of scanning the environment for potential threats. So we don't always want to be influenced and controlled by our negativity bias because it's interpreting our general safety through the lens of our prehistoric ancestors. And while we are generally physically safe in our homes and have access to grocery stores, our emotional push and pull has not caught up to modern times. So we continue to be highly influenced by our negativity bias. 
Mindfulness is so helpful here because it allows us to see what is happening and not just react, but to take skillful action. Okay, learned beliefs are messages that we've taken on and believe to be true and repeat them to ourselves with our mind's voice, often unconsciously. They are messages like, I'm not good enough. I'm a horrible mom. My emotions are too much for others. I need to take care of other people before I take care of myself, etc. These thoughts are questionable and they are not facts. And most people wouldn't agree with your belief about yourself, so they can't be a fact. We can become skilled in knowing when our not good enough belief or whatever belief is misguiding your steering maneuvers. And with unhelpful coping tools, they cloud our vision too. They take up the time that we could be using to steer the plane the direction we want it to go. They are the biggest competitor of time. Things like mindlessly scrolling social media, watching TV endlessly, overspending when you're shopping, gossiping, complaining, overeating, overdrinking, and all the other things. And I want to send a reminder here that unhelpful coping patterns are unhelpful now, but they were helpful at some point in time. If you are noticing judgmental thoughts about your unhelpful coping patterns, you can remind yourself that they helped you at some point with a tricky situation in the past when you didn't know what else to do. And that's okay. That was helpful. But now you are learning new tools and new ways to do things. And it takes time to build these new neural pathways. So self-compassion can be invited when you see the old coping tools. Once you understand what can cloud your vision of where you want to go, you can then not be so influenced by them and steer your plane. Of course, it might feel uncomfortable and breaking these patterns might require patience. So, but how, how do you steer the plane from frustration to ease, from resentment to boundaries? Well, you can use a process called nonviolent communication or NVC for short. It will help you cut through your cloudy, unhelpful, automatic responses and see what is below the surface. It helps to see what is alive within you and how to communicate with yourself and others to get your needs met. Nonviolent communication was developed by Marshall Rosenberg and has been used across the world to help individuals, people, and relationships in the workplace, and even with political and cultural adversaries like gang members and police. It is a series of four steps of communication that focuses on your needs and skillful ways to get those needs met. Okay, so we've talked about using patience as a skill, as something that you can do or practice, even if you don't feel patient. We've talked about seeing through the clouds of the negativity bias, unconscious belief patterns, and unhelpful coping tools. Now let's talk about the four steps of nonviolent communication and go through some examples. Okay, here are the steps. Number one, make an observation. Number two, share your feeling. Number three, share the need behind the feeling. And number four, make a request. It's observation, feeling, need, request. I remember these steps with a visual that reminds me a little of a bullseye, only the bullseye is within me and I'll share it in case it's helpful for you. So for observation, step one, it's the outer layer. It's what is able to be observed by others of me. So it's like my skin. The feeling is the middle layer and it's the energy running through my body. 
The need is at my heart center. It's the bullseye. The request brings my need back out into the observable world. So three layers kind of going into my heart center, and then the request sends it back out. And this visual helps me when I need to lean on nonviolent communication. So let's look at how this fits in with what we've been talking about during this series of episodes on mindfulness as remedy. Well, the first step, observation, you make an observation without judgment. And here our scientist skills from the first episode will help. Step two, feelings. Our friend skills for offering understanding of our emotions through deep self-compassion from episode two will help with this. Step three, needs. Nonviolent communication suggests that unmet needs give rise to uncomfortable emotions. So knowing your need is like looking at a compass for direction. We will talk more about this. And requests are specific and doable things that can be done to enrich your life. They can be made to ourselves or they can be made to others. These are the skillful maneuvers needed to fly the plane in the right direction. Since the previous two episodes of this series discussed observations and sitting with feelings or emotions, let's do a deep dive here into steps three needs and four requests before we put it all together. In the framework of nonviolent communication, unpleasant feelings and emotions are cues that we have unmet needs, and the idea is that if we can take actions towards getting our needs met, we will experience more comfortable emotions. So getting in touch with our needs can be especially tricky as moms. We are often focusing on the needs of others, so much so that we bury our own needs. If this is really challenging for you, you can spend more time with deep self-compassion discussed in the previous episode to uncover your needs. And while caring for young children and loved ones, there will always be times when it seems like others' needs come first. But our goal in a healthy relationship dynamic is to keep the needs of each person as equally important. So as a mom to babies and growing children, that means that you are responsible for navigating both your needs and your child since they don't have the skills or the developmental capacity to develop a bigger picture perspective on needs negotiation. So we can't expect them to understand our perspective or our needs. It's our job to set boundaries to show value for our own needs. Sometimes this is easier said than done, and it might come with some mom guilt, and that's okay, and you will get through it. Even if you teach these communication skills to your kids, which you can and is done, it's still up to us as the adult to manage the meeting of the needs, and this can feel really hard. In my experience, moms tend to give and give to meet the needs of others until their own personal needs are so depleted that burnout and depression, anxiety, and hopelessness arise. So this is really important for moms. If we are feeling intense or persistent, uncomfortable emotions as we meet the needs of others, we can become aware of what our unmet needs are and look for opportunities to meet them. So nonviolent communication has a fairly comprehensive list of needs that you can check out, and I'll link to it below. I had no idea before coming across nonviolent communication that all these things that are on this list were actual needs, that they're not just things I want. No, they're they're needs and it's okay. Some examples of needs that can be especially challenging to meet in mom life are connection, appreciation, community, nurturing, 
respect and self-respect, support, to be seen, food, water, rest, joy, integrity, choice, freedom, independence, space. This is one of my bigger needs that I alluded to in the beginning of this episode. Competence, creativity, purpose, and so many more. It's important to note that we all have different needs. It's okay if your needs are different than your partner's needs or your friend's needs. You probably don't have the same hair color as them either, and that's okay too. Once you identify a need you have, it's time to make a specific request that would enrich your life. The request can be made to yourself or to others. The important part here is that it is a request, not a demand. You can start a request with something like, would you be willing to, or would it be possible to, something along those lines. And you might even get guidance about a valuable request from your deep self-compassion journaling. Okay, let's review it. Step one is to make an observation. Step two, share feelings. Step three, identify a need. And step four, make a request. Let me share a few examples of what this can sound like in practice. Let's say you are having a lot of frustration with your partner getting home late from work and it impacts dinner and the whole evening routine. Here is what the NVC process might sound like in this situation. I've noticed that you are late for dinner several times a week and I feel frustrated. I need order to our evenings. Would you be willing to come home by the same time every night? So here we were, step one, the observation was, I've noticed that you are late for dinner several times a week. Step two, the feeling was frustrated. Step three, needs. I need order to the evening. Step four, requests. Would you be willing to come home by the same time every night? Okay, here's another example. Let's say it's 3 p.m. and you are tired or need some kind of a break and your three-year-old is not tired. You could say something like, hey, love bug, we've been busy today and you have lots of energy. I'm tired and need rest. Can you please play in the living room while I rest on the couch for a while? We can read a story after my rest. So here are the observations. Step one, we've been busy today and you have lots of energy. Step two, which is feelings. I'm tired. Step three, needs. I need a rest. Step four, request. Can you please play in the living room while I rest on the couch for a while? We can read a story after my rest. This might take some time for a little one to understand what you need. Let's say she keeps coming to you and asking you questions or using you like a dollhouse. You can continue the process. You could say something like this. You have such great questions and ideas, and right now I am tired and need a rest. Can you ask me your questions when I'm done resting? I'll want to hear all your ideas. So we did the process again. Step one, observation. You have such great questions and ideas. Step two, feelings. I'm tired. Step three, needs. I need a rest. Step four, request. Can you ask me your questions when I'm done resting? I'll want to hear all your ideas. Here is where you can practice patience too. It's a practice. It's what you do with your time. And it's okay if you practice patience with your actions and feel impatient with your emotions at the same time. 
It might not work the first several times you do this, but with kind consistency, that little one will begin to understand. Okay, one more example. Let's say that your mornings are rushed and frustrating. You go through the inner and outer snapshot. You get to know that frustration through deep self-compassion and some inner wisdom is offering you guidance. You can use NVC to help yourself in this situation. You could say something like this. I've noticed the mornings are rushed and I'm feeling frustrated by the time I leave the house. I need peace in the morning. Would I be willing to take 15 minutes and think through a different morning routine that could allow for a more peaceful morning? So that could be your inner dialogue for real. You could ask yourself, am I willing to do this? Okay, so we've talked about using patience as a skill, as something that you can do or practice, even if you don't feel patient. We've talked about seeing through the clouds of the negativity bias, unconscious belief patterns, and unhelpful coping tools. And we've discussed the four steps to nonviolent communication, which is how you steer yourself in the right direction for where you want to go. So the offerings for this week, your pearl or your practice in real life, are the four steps to nonviolent communication. And if you're interested in a printout of the steps, I'll link to it below. And it's also available in the village if you want to download it there. A meditation that supports giving yourself what you need, finding your needs and giving it to yourself is called the Nourishing Breath Meditation. It's adapted from my teacher, Elisha Goldstein, and there's a five and a 12 minute version in the meditation feed linked below. The printables that are also available in the village are the nonviolent communication process, the feelings list. There's two different feelings lists. There's feelings when our needs are met and feelings when your needs are not met which can be very helpful for you to observe your emotions and build up your feeling words around the subtleties of emotion and the needs inventory, which is something awesome to reference to help you understand what your needs are. Because often I feel like us adults don't always know beyond like food and water. I find this list very validating and it reminds me that I'm human and experience real and valid needs. So I hope you enjoy it. Also in the village, you'll find the show notes. So I've been talking a while. I'm feeling a little thirsty and a bit of cabin fever. I need some water and some sunshine. Would it be okay if I wrap this up and connect again in the village this week? See what I did there? A little nonviolent communication. (laughs) Okay, observation. I've been talking a while. Feeling. I'm feeling thirsty and a bit of cabin fever. Need. I need some water and some sunshine. Request. Would it be okay if we wrap this up and connect again this week in the village? Okay, I would really love to hear how it goes playing with nonviolent communication. And so come hang out in the village and share about it. So next week, we will wrap up our series on how mindfulness can be utilized as a remedy for so many of the big struggles in mom life. And it's about the final part of our story, The Scientist and the Flight. Thank you for sharing your time and your practice with me. May this information benefit you, your loved ones, and moms all over the world.